Welcome to the Arena Decklist Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson, joined by Brian Gottlieb, a person who is still recovering from illness. I am on a laptop because I kind of dropped my PC and borked it a little bit. So we're we're a little scuffed this week, buddy. Well, we're on the road to recovery on all fronts. I do feel better than I felt last week for sure. And uh, I didn't have COVID. I went and like did the PCR test and everything, which is, you know, odd these days. If you get sick, you assume you probably have caught COVID. I, I did not, but I was still very sick, getting slightly better. As far as your computer, we've done some light diagnostic work. I'm kind of like trying to push you forward to be a computer guy, to be comfortable reaching into your PC and, and Dude, things. And it's, we're, we're not really there yet. It's the, the thing that makes me say this the most, which is I think I was born a decade too early or a decade too late. Yeah. And part of it, part of it too is like growing up poor because I, I, didn't have, I was just going to say, dude, yeah. I swear you took the words out of my mouth. That was going to be my next point. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was excited that you got to that. Go ahead. No, no, you're, you're good. Uh, yeah, it was just, I, I didn't have the internet until I was 18. Right. But I think it even goes beyond that. And this is something that like I figured out as I started working, uh, like building my own PCs and like doing this stuff is that there's this fear of touching things that are expensive because if you, you break yeah. something that's like important, yeah. you don't get it back. Like there's, there's not a backup. It's just, it's gone forever and you have to live without it. Or like, that's the way I always lived my life until a certain point. So the first time I ever like touched my PC where I knew like, if I mess this up, you know, something could go wrong. It was like terrifying for me. And at some point I just had to be like, I can just like fix this. Like, yes, I may break this $90 part. That would be bad. I wouldn't be happy about it, but it doesn't ruin my life the way had it happened when I was younger. It actually may have ruined my life. So that fear pervades into everything. Uh, and I think that's actually where like the growing up poor thing affects me working on PCs more than just the lack of knowledge, not having the internet. Although I shared that as well, for sure. No, that's fair. I, I just think that if you give me like an iPad when I'm 10 or something, then then I just start learning how to code, you know, and, and learning just everything I can about like systems and computers and stuff like that. Yep. Because yeah, that, that, that. that's exactly the type of kid that I was. But yeah, I, I, I guess like I've gotten over that more than you have, but I can certainly relate to like, especially for your PC, right? It's like you're your most expensive and most used and probably like most beloved toy. Yeah. I think those are all accurate. And when you grow up poor and you don't have a lot of stuff, like you do tend to clutch onto those things. For sure. For sure. And like, I, I don't know why. Well, I guess I do know why. So like when we were moving across the country, like one of the things we did was, well, prioritize the things that are like sort of important to you or irreplaceable or just like, you know, expensive if they get damaged by the movers and then we'll do that stuff ourselves. So one of the things I definitely took under my own control was my PC. Like I didn't ship my right. PC. So it, it definitely is very highly rated amongst my possessions. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I'm not, I'm not that scared of like breaking it. I do recognize that as a thing that is like pretty likely to happen, but mm -mm. it's less likely than you think. That's, that's why I always push people to do it is that it, it does feel very fragile, but like you can just mostly push stuff and nothing breaks in there but I'm not very smart. So 
You know how to watch it. You know how to watch a YouTube video, though, and that's where I learned basically everything I know about like building a computer and how they work. So I I am confident you could get to the same place. Oh, that's maybe like the worst time to bring up that point because I've watched so many YouTube videos trying to troubleshoot a problem recently that is somewhat PC related, and I I think this is one of those things where it's like I've tried thirty different things and none of them have worked, and it's just Mm. like still broken. So. Like, yeah, dude, I guess I can, but also not a high amount of confidence level for me being able to actually translate that into results. So, all right, we'll we'll get you there eventually. It's a slow process. We'll build you up to it. We'll we'll get your PC up to snuff. We'll get my illness up to snuff, and eventually we'll be a whole podcast again. Maybe, uh, I like that thing wasn't entirely PC related. It was. It's basically, I think, what it comes down to is like the Elgato capture card kind of sucks. Interesting. Okay. I mean, I usually hear very positive things about those capture cards. And in general, I actually like Elgato stuff a lot. Like my key light is Elgato. I use the, the stream deck. So yep. Uh, yep. interesting to hear you're having trouble with the capture card. I, I just got the Elgato face cam. It is very good. It was definitely an upgrade over the one that I had before. And, and to their credit, like it's, I, I don't know if it's like meant to work with switch or whatever, but that is what I got it for. And that's kind of what it's advertised for, but it's okay. also supposed to be able to do mobile stuff. And I just cannot get it to do mobile stuff. And apparently neither can like half the internet. Interesting. Interesting. Even though it's, it's supposed to do that. So I don't know. And I know, I know that people are going to be like, Oh yeah, I had this issue. Do this. I've tried it. Trust me. Like, I've, <laughs> I've gone on every single goddamn Reddit thread and tried everything. Well, I hope that you are soon able to stream your, I'm assuming this is so you can uh, share snap exploits. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't know if I was going to actually stream it or not, but I was definitely hanging out with some people on Discord and trying to figure out a way to stream it so it didn't look like crap. Because mm-hmm. there, There's obviously like a lot of third-party things that you can use, and I was able to set up one of those pretty easily, pretty successfully, but then it's just in like 720 and yeah. uh, mobile. <sighs> Mobile's just like so bad to stream on on everything and i they need to fix it you know just like twitch discord whatever yeah i guess some of that is like intended use case where maybe they didn't visualize this being a huge portion of like the streaming market but it has certainly evolved to that point where it it, it's important that it be able to be captured there i mean there are just so many mobile games right yeah Yeah. Uh, i guess part of the problem too is the the games that are vertical not horizontal right so yeah different aspect ratios for sure Anyway, PTQ's coming up. One of happening. One of, I mean, they're already happening. Well, right yeah, now. yeah. Uh, one of one of the PTQs coming up is on Arena. It is Baldur's Gate Alchemy Horizon Sealed Deck. Oh, that sounds like a very real format that people play. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't try and qualify for this one. You know, I went pretty hard for the last two. Right, I was having right. a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Not this one. Not this one. Josh chose qualified. Godspeed to him. I don't want to read a single card. Um, no, these these I, cards are bad, man. Like I, I, I was such a supporter of this idea. They have are, scroll bars. These are bad cards. These are bad designs. Like I, I'm sorry. I, I very rarely like call things out as bad. I know there's a lot of competing interests. I know someone probably worked very hard on these things, and I, I don't mean to belittle their work, but I hate these. Somebody probably likes them, so don't feel bad that I'm trashing them. I'm sure somebody likes them, but I hate them with all my heart. The idea that, okay, I can pitch a card and the color identity matters to 
what sort of card this becomes is like, it's okay. It's kind of cool. But then it's also like, damn, there's seven versions of this card or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. Like in, in a world and, where and word count is already an issue. Yeah. yeah. It's not like, oh, pitch a green card. It gets like plus O plus two and reach. Just or so whatever. complicated. So needlessly complicated. Like the beauty of this game is in its elegance and its expressiveness. And it's the fact that it is a very complicated game, but with like a somewhat simple core when you really boil it down and, these cards just throw that out the window. Okay, well, elegant. Discard a green card. This becomes a green-white card, right? Simple. Yeah, just discard a card. <laughs> and then it's just like, oh, well, actually, no, here's a here's a wall of text. It spirals, spirals very quickly from there. Yeah, and then there's the card that I posted on Twitter a while back that just with the, literally with the actual scroll bar. Dude, it's, it's unbelievable. I, I can't tell you, like, obviously, a, a lot of my day uh, is spent designing cards now. And that's that's new for me. You know, it's something I've dabbled in in the past, but now I'm very focused on the task. And when I like, when I tell you that I agonize over the fact that oh, this card does a little bit more of what I want it to do, but it adds two additional words. And like, I I literally agonize: is this cost worth it? Do I actually want to insert these two additional words? Like, agonize over it, and they're just like, ah, oh, fuck it, add a scroll bar. That that blows my mind. It really does. Yeah, there. I I can't imagine that they're even thinking about that now. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Uh, I I do hate these cards though. That's what it ultimately boils down to. It's fine though. Like I'm I'm sure the format. You know, it's it's still magic. It's still sealed. It's limited. It's fun. It's like high powered sealed too, which I kind of like. Yeah, it's right. interesting, different. But I I don't want to learn all these cards, so I'm just not gonna. And then. Uh, there were some changes to some cards in Historic, I guess. Big changes. Huge yeah. changes. So Unholy Heat, Dragon's Ray Chandler, stuff like that. If you're, if you're interested in those sort of things, like go check it out. I'm not going to talk about every single thing because then uh, they also like buff some cards. And it, it was a lot of stuff. Uh, overall, I think like pretty positive, but does certainly make the format closer to being fake than real, you know, which is yep. not great for a lot of people. Which and is then, how are you supposed to keep track of all this stuff as a player? Like uh, it's such a huge ask to know that, okay, when I'm playing cauldron familiar in this format, it does this, but in this format, it can't block. And I have to remember that. And it looks exactly the same. And there's no visual indication, like short of like, the very, very small card text, which is not how you engage with magic cards. You commit them to memory and you like operate on feel, at least as a very invested player. You do not read your magic cards every single time you play them. That's not how the game works. I think the um, hope is that if you're an online player, you're going to know the online stuff. You're not necessarily going to care. But I I don't know if that actually translates into reality. So, so they're just trying to segment things very hard and say these are the cards for online players, these are the cards for non-online online players. But I, I don't just, think that they're trying to segment necessarily. But they might be like, well, it is already segmented, so who cares? Just add different art. Honestly, like I, I think that would solve a or like make it a different name. I, I really think that would make a big difference in terms of making these things more digestible. But trying to have them occupy the same space it, it does not work for me and that's why i had to opt out like it was just going to be more frustrating than fun i will say that i did uh one of the cube drafts on arena and okay. i drafted in a Seekers chariot and then i was very disappointed when it only <laughs> when one cat. 
Yeah. So yeah, you know, there there are things like that that definitely happen where it's like, how the hell was I supposed to know? Like, I, I guess there was an alchemy card in my deck, so maybe I should have assumed. But it's just like, I, if you even would have asked me if I knew that Chariot had gotten nerfed at some point or whatever, would I have remembered exactly what the text did? Probably not. Yeah, so. who, knows? who knows? Anyway, it's, I, it's I only got disaster. one. So. It's a disaster. It was, I was very surprised. But uh, yeah, got some some BTQs coming up. I have I have two that I can play this weekend, but I am going to hang out with Josh show this weekend. He's going to go visit his parents in Atlanta. I'm going to roll with and maybe play some magic, maybe get some like actual play testing done. And That's fun. Exciting. Po- yeah. Possibly be able to report back on that next week and, you know, finally finish buying cards for the things that I need, but got to figure out what I want to play first, you know? Uh, so this is, this is a fun little transition into talking about these IRL PTQs, which I think actually, you know, doing some complaining about arena alchemy stuff, I'm going to give a thumbs up to what I saw around the PTQ space. Like a lot of excitement, a lot of people really happy to be back doing this again. Uh, a lot of people remarking how it just like feels like old times and how they didn't realize how much they missed this. Certainly some negatives too. I've, I've seen complaints and some, some how, monkeys. How dare, how dare stuff. the store try and make money? Yeah. I've seen that complaint for sure. And uh, don't get it, but okay. Still, I think like the, the general vibe is universally positive. I, I have seen a lot of thumbs up to this first effort at returning to a PTQ system. So just wanted to give props to that and like uh note, Noted as a high point to contrast with the arena low points. But what I was going to ask is, I, I have now ordered cards for three Pioneer decks and also uh, rounding out a modern deck. That's probably pretty easy to figure out. But would you like to guess the three Pioneer decks that I have ordered cards for? And I think one you will guess very easily. The other two, I'm curious if you'll get. Well, let me let me peruse the decks real quick just so sure. I make sure I'm not missing anything. I think I have two of them. Okay. Ooh, okay. Phoenix, Rakdos, Lotus. You got one right. Damn. Did you, you already right. have all the Lotus cards? Is that why? No, I, I did order Lotus cards. You didn't uh, order Phoenix cards? I did not. I did not. Oh, uh, uh, Mono Green? That is the second one. You are correct. Terrible. Uh, yeah. One more. You want to take one more shot? Uh, close, close. Blue White Control. Okay. Blue White Control. Uh, yeah, you, yeah, you are a purist. So for, for Phoenix, I, like, I have everything but Ledger Shredders, I think. So like I could turn those up pretty quickly, I'm assuming, if I wanted to. So I, I didn't rule out that deck. And in fact, like very, very high on my choice list. But the other stuff was just stuff like, oh, I might want to play this. And like, I what I did was like have varying levels of investment, like how much I will actually take the time, find the time to go ahead and learn and practice and like think about these decks. And so I wanted something that was just like, here's my big stupid green cards. And that was the mono green devotion thing uh that's not really how that deck works I, look i've played so much of the like green devotion decks across so many formats that i i get it like i i know what the setup is there and sure there's some specificity when it comes to the pioneer format but that will be very very easy for me to pick up and to the same vein i find control very easy to pick up in every format like it's yeah. just where i'm comfortable and like you know don't lose the game that's an easy enough goal but the, the Lotus stuff would be more like if I have the time to like practice my combo lines a little bit and understand some of the more intricate situations that might come up. Fair. Yeah, I don't know. Like the, the setup for Devotion is easy enough, right? But the 
the difficult thing is sequencing and like translating that into an actual win. And when a lot of your win conditions stem from, I need to have like a specific amount of mana and like sequence my planeswalkers correctly and like do all these weird things. Like that's where you kind of need the reps, but like as far as, all right, I need to make the most mana as possible on turn four or whatever. Like, yeah, obviously you, you have the hang of that. That's easy. Yeah. I, I think you're right that like some percentage of games will certainly come down to that maximization, but there's also a huge percentage of games where you just like go so big that it doesn't matter. Right. Or you just scale out of control and you, you can optimize ago, a month ago. Yeah. Uh, that is fair. There's, things have definitely turned pretty harshly against this deck, uh, basically in the time that I ordered it. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that one's very, very low on my to playlist, but it required very little uh, for me to order. It was like I, I was maybe missing like three or four cards. So you got to have uh, Phoenix to loan to your brother if he needs it, though. He he already has most of it, so I think he would just need ledger shredders, basically. Okay, well yeah. that's what I'm saying. You got to buy those. Yeah, man, I know. I, I know he played it at SCG Con. I know yeah. he, he had the cards. You know he's he's got a job. He's a he's a grown ass man. Every now and then he can buy his own cards. I, I supply all okay. of his flesh and blood cards. If he if he wants to pick up some ledger shredders, I would support that. Fair enough. All right, so it looks like we're we're kind of getting to the point where we're gonna figure out what to play i'm i mean i'm i'm leaning like is it in both formats honestly but for modern specifically it would not surprise me if i splash around a little bit like you know play a little humans play a little living ends uh see where it takes me just have some fun well in the meantime we have two pretty large magic online ptqs from last weekend to look at we have uh one in modern one in pioneer modern was Almost 400 people. I think it was 384, if I remember correctly. And I was watching uh, our friend Kane stream the event, which was cool, until uh, Kane lost in the last round. And cool. Yeah, was was eight and one with four color, and then lost in the last round to the eventual winner. And then there was like this brief like sweating of tiebreaker situation. Uh, when, you know, he, he knew that he was probably not going to make it in or whatever. And he's like, yeah, I think I'm 11th or something. Right. And then it was like, Oh, 17th. Yeah. I was just scrolling down, trying to find Kane and yeah, 17th. So that's a pretty dramatic drop off from, uh, playing the winning end. Yeah. Five, nine and ones made it. And then three, eight and two. So it's like, you know, there's a lot of slots and yeah, massive being, tournament. Yeah. Being at eight and one is like usually decent for for the tiebreakers right but like there's so many other people in your situation too so right uh turns out he was just not even close but winner max magic magicker magister magicker rhinos rhinos and now oddly wizards uh from exporting the magic online decklist is now putting bone crusher giant in with the instance yet brazen borrowers in with the creatures uh, explain that. I, I can't. I cannot explain that, and I'm not going to try to. What I also can't explain is the continued success of Rhinos, because I continue to like trash this deck every opportunity I get, and it continues to do pretty well. So probably time to stop listening to me and look at the results. Uh, this was not the only copy of Rhinos in this top eight. Two copies here. So, and. The deck continues to perform very well. Doing the old classic in the sideboard to the the four 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 three split. Been a while since I've seen one of those, but just keeping it clean, keeping it classy, 
Uh, three Blood Moon, four Force of Vigor, four Endurance, four Mystical Dispute. Knows the cards that they want, uh, knows the matchups they want them in, and just keeping it simple. So big win here for Rhinos to kick off the PTQ season. What do you make of that, Gerald? Two things. You're a Cascade deck, so you don't have a ton of options for things that you can play in your sideboard. Mm-hmm. And uh, the cards that are in the sideboard are very powerful. So I, I get it. Uh, I, I'm not going to besmirch the four 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 three at least in Rhinos specifically. I think that that's completely fine. But I feel like if we look through the rest of the decks, we're probably not going to see a lot of chalices. Nope. That's going to be my guess. And nope. like that's that's the thing with the Cascade decks is like yeah they're they're going to have good weeks when no one is prepared for them, and that was probably the case here. And I think a lot of that has to do with Living End mostly being the the primary Cascade deck, and then people just playing things like Unlicensed Hurst and being like, oh, I don't need Chalice anymore. Yeah, finding different ways to challenge them. Endurance, of course, comes to mind. There's a lot of Endurance across uh, this top eight. And I think actual zero Chalices, I you have to go pretty deep into this tournament to find your first Chalice. Uh, I think 12th place is where we first turned one up in the four-color deck. Two copies in a Gold Cats list there. And I, I don't know if Kane had copies as well in his list. Yeah, a couple copies there in the sideboard, two chalices. So they're out there. But like you said, small, small number in this tournament and perfect conditions for a deck like Rhino. Just go ahead and, and crush. And I think like the, the thing I come back to is like if I make that determination, I usually am like, okay, it's time for living end. But to the point of endurance being everywhere, I. I think like there are other counters to living end deck and there is some merit to just go ahead and like finding this other cascade thing to do that really only has this one direct answer. Right. Uh, and I mean, explosives is another solid option too, but again, like not a whole lot of reasons to play explosives right now. So I, I understand people just wanting to cut them. Yeah. Things like, uh, you know, the, is it deck really sidestepping explosives with the now Ragavan, Ledger Shredder, Murktide region threat base, uh, not a ton of death shadow in this event. So yeah, I think explosives also down all these things, paving the way for a really good setup for this Rhinos deck. That said, second place, uh, Bernas Torres, is it Murktide with Ledger Shredder instead of DRC three copies of explosives in the sideboard? Still not good enough. Yeah, came prepared and wasn't able to take it down. Interesting. And I, I think like you could point to a few options here that seem like they should give somewhat of an edge against this Rhinos deck. But Rhinos just pulls out wins where I never expected to. And like this seems like the leaner, more popular, frankly, better deck when you put the two against each other. But Rhinos takes the W. I got to figure out what I want to do with Murktide. And what kind of list I want to play. Because like four Shredder, three Charm, three Murktide, still only 19 land seems pretty clunky to me. And DRC definitely has some issues and is not good in a lot of spots. But having a plethora of one drops is the thing that makes Counterspell good in my mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I got to figure that out. Because like Shredder with... Counterspell and Charm just seems very, very clunky to me. So that's that's going to be the number one thing that I work on this weekend and try and figure out. Makes sense. Uh, you know, the converted mana cost of your threats has risen a bit, so I can understand looking for some different options there. Any consideration to, like, more free spells in a deck like this? Are you looking at 
force of negation, looking at, you know, I see some subtleties in the sideboard here. Any of that have any appeal to you? I think that would be a slightly different deck, probably. Okay. Did you see the the mono blue chalice deck? Uh, no, I don't believe I did. I was just. I saw a mono white chalice control deck, which was very interesting, but not a mono blue one. I did not see mono white, but it was, I don't know, basically uh, the the really weird Magic Online Merfolk decks just like taken three steps too far, where it's like dismember, borrower, chalice, force, uh, subtlety still playing Svaloon because it's just like a reasonable threat and yep. draw engine, you know, it's a, just yep. like kind of like a sea stompy legacy deck, but yeah, in, a little bit of mad science. Yeah. In modern, uh, that, that one of a face to face tournament and people picked it up from there. And it's just like, yeah, that is what you're describing kind of sounds like that where you're like, well, what about a bunch of like Sully's and forces and stuff? It's like, well, I guess that kind of already exists. Okay. Maybe no reason to bring that to this mix, but I'm I'm curious what you come up with. I agree, the card counter spell here, as much as I love it, doesn't really shine in this in this shell the way I see it. Too clunky. Uh, third place, mistaken amulet, thirty two lands, sixty main deck, fifteen in the sideboard, no wild sixty one fourteen or anything. Pretty normal looking, honestly. Ready to, ready to go, baby. I I got it all already sleeved up, already foil. Keep my decision simple. Let's go. You even have foil fire spouts? I do. I do have foil fire spouts. Yep. I have uh, actually the the from the vaults foil fire spouts. Uh, yeah, of course you do. All right. Yeah, fourth, place, my ones. fourth place. Fourth place, Zhao Andrade. Um, why don't I hammer? Tight. Blacksmith skill in the mix here. Not something I see all the time in these deck lists. What do you think is causing that to make the cut? Uh, uh, stuff like Solitude. Would be my guess. Uh, skill, sure. skill was, yeah, skill was showing up uh, a little bit more and more as like a one of maybe like two months ago, and then I think basically whenever I've seen a deck list since then, they've just like added one. Like more copies just keep creeping into the deck. So well, that's the way it happens sometimes. Is, you know, someone tries one of these on a lark, and then you find out, oh, this actually solves a bunch of things that I was struggling with, and more and more copies creep in. Yeah. So. Yeah, just mono white, no no weirdo blue splash or anything, and skill instead of spell pierce or meddling mage or Lavinia or whatever like that is maybe just the interaction that you need. Like if you don't have the engine of Luris or Reality Chip, mm -hmm. then you are trying to focus on basically being an infect deck, and blossoming defense is one of the best cards in infect. So it doesn't surprise me that skill is very good here. Yeah, yeah. Cool adaptation and uh, focusing on a very clear game plan, which I always like when it comes to deck building, like knowing how you actually intend to win the game. Yep. Fifth place, E Principe, Mono Green Tron. Odd <laughs> choice, I guess. Yeah. Look, <laughs> turn three card, still pretty good. Still uh, it still good. beats a lot of people. If you if you high roll, it's nice. Uh, you know, you have these Pesages now as a little bit more insurance i've never loved Thrag tusk in the main of tron but i know i i differ a lot from other people when it comes to that card so that, that's fine it's all fine I, it ultimately comes down to like did you make your Tron a bunch and uh, i like this deck to be around i like when it is in small numbers and something you have to like kind of consider i think it puts a fun limitation on the format even if the gameplay is not all that fun it's a good puzzle to have to account for 
And it's interesting because I, I don't think I've really seen a lot of people playing this or even like talking about it as potentially a viable choice. And, you know, there's only like two Relic of Progenitus main deck. So I don't think it was like, oh, yeah, this just happens to incidentally be fine against Living End or whatever. Right. So, yeah, interesting that this was the deck of choice and also like did pretty well. Uh, Principe was 9-0. And then I, I don't know like what happened in the last round if they like conceded or actually played it out or whatever. But it's like mm-hmm. that's that's a hell of a run. Yeah, absolutely. Tron always capable of things like that, often from out of nowhere as well. So, uh, Texas sixth place, living end, griefs, a uh, pretty normal sideboard. I saw like you know some canister lists and so deck lists that had like a bunch of different like weirdo one ofs and stuff this this is not four 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 three but uh you know some twos a four and a one yeah like i said i usually if i think like chalice is at a low and i want to cascade this is usually the deck i prefer in that scenario i think it's very consistent very powerful has like an acceptable but not great b plan at this point so you, you win more games than you used to hard casting your stuff in living end and i appreciate that but yeah, I, the the choice of rhinos instead in this metagame seems to make some sense actually. So I, I have to eat some crow and and maybe concede that if I were to cascade right now, it, it might be rhinos that I was doing it with. So uh, Texas lost to rhinos. Tron lost to hammer. That all seems pretty normal. Yeah, to me. mostly tracks. Uh, seventh place underscore stream. Another is it Murktide deck. This one, three DRC, three Shredder, three Murktide, four Ragavan, uh, one less Bolt. And where are the other slots coming from? One one Bolt, one Shredder, and a Dress Down. Okay. Yeah, it looks like just some trims to get to a uh, a little bit wider threat base. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of down with this. Seems fine. I, I, I like the idea of minimum effective dose that's something i talk a lot about in deck building where how do you present this different angle without like really warping your deck hard against it this deck can obviously do all the things that the previous deck could do you know with the exception of dress down until we get to sideboarding but you also have some higher density of one drops and you're able to play that sort of protect the queen scenario uh with either ragavan or dragon's rage channeler and some counterspell action a lot more efficiently so Interesting. Interesting way to set up your deck here. And stream lost to the mirror. Okay. And then eighth place, Issa Cannoli with another Rhino's deck that's lost to Amulet. Yeah, looking basically the same as the other Rhino's deck with the sideboard exception of getting away from Mystical Disputes and going into Core Firewalker instead. So maybe anticipating... A little bit more burn action. Burn mostly absent from this tournament, though, at least when we get to the top tables. Yeah, but super open field, right? Like 400. Oh, for sure. For sure, yeah. That's that's the kind of move that if I were going into a local store PTQ, like that is the type of thing that I'd be like, yeah, you should probably consider doing this. Uh, Especially if you have any knowledge of like, you know, this good player is here, always plays burn. I expect to have to beat them somewhere along the way. it's kind of like a, a very easy way to pad those matchups a little bit. Right. Uh, do you want to go through the rest of these really quickly too? Yeah, if there's anything that interests you in particular, we can we can take a look at it. 
Uh, I haven't looked yet, so. Oh, okay. Surprise then, Gerald. Surprise. Uh, ninth place, Living End. Again, like these are all folks that were on breakers too, like A2 on breakers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, any of these could have been in the top eight. Tenth place, Yawgmoth. Always that one Yawgmoth deck in every single one of these tournaments, just like floating around, very rarely winning, but it's always there. Eleventh place, Death Shadow, now with Ledger Shredder and one less Death Shadow. Okay. Uh, sure. Twelfth place, four color. That's our first four color deck. Yeah, uh, I would say a down week for four color in general. Uh, like, like we mentioned though, missing a bunch on breakers. So I, I'm not writing this deck off. But uh, you, you generally expect more when it comes to modern top eights. Thirteenth, uh, another Murktide deck. This one lightly splashing guy. for some Teferis. Yeah. Uh, and DRC no shredder. Interesting, interesting. Sideboard monastery mentors too. So not getting a ton out of the white splash Kataki in the sideboard. I haven't seen a Kataki in quite some time. Yeah. OG wars wage. So uh, some some interesting choices from the white splash. Ooh, another Murktide deck in fourteenth. Two hearse main, a dress down main. Uh, <laughs> creature suite of four Ragavan, two DRC, two shredder, one Snapcaster, three Murktide. Covering a lot of bases there. And I mean, what do you think of Unlicensed Hearse as a main deck card? This is an interesting one to me. Uh, small doses. Okay. If you really want to, you can. I probably wouldn't. Do you think that's closer to a hard read where you're just like, there's going to be a lot of graveyards I have to account for more than just like, this is a generically good card I can afford to play against everyone? I don't think one is bad. You know, it's kind of in the same vein as playing one dress down, right? It's like, mm-hmm. well, you know, dress down at the worst cycles and has a lot of upside against like Saga tokens and Solitude and Primeval Titan and stuff like that. So Hearse at the very worst is like still going to be a pretty reasonable threat at some point. And most decks interact with the graveyard a little bit. Yep. To some degree. So I wouldn't want to overload on them. I think two is a lot. Okay. But not not disqualifying the chance of maybe having that that flashy one hearse in the main Yeah. Deck. Yeah, I think it's fine. I don't think it necessarily has to be a hard read for Living End or anything, but it could be like, oh, well, there's like a lot of Murktide and Living End and other assorted things that use the graveyard or whatever. So like yeah. one one seems fine. It's like, okay, yeah, I could buy that. Cool. But then, then I don't know if I would like also be like, well, I kind of like the one dress down and... Uh, a few extra creatures and, you know, get a little fun of going on. Yeah. The, the, the list is uh, a little all over the place, which I don't know, maybe serve them well. Who knows? Uh, 15th place, blue, white, Urza, Esper Sentinel and genius Smith pile of stuff. Yeah. These decks just, they, they appeal to me broadly. Like I, I enjoy these type of decks. I want them to exist. As far as like choosing to play them in a tournament, they they don't offer much that I see. I'm I'm just not I'm not drawn to them for any reason. This is a deck that I would love to play in like the John era. Yeah, yeah. It's like very uh, you know can can grind can play pretty fair. There's a lot of card advantage and a lot of interesting angles you could take. But I I just don't know who you're supposed to be favored against with a list like this. You're you're sort of doing like the four color thing, but you're smaller than them. Yeah, way worse, way worse in my opinion. Sixteenth uh, place, Gruel Valakut, Wish Scapeshift thing. Good way of describing it. 
uh, I I will never get tricked into playing these decks again. I think they're fine, honestly. Like I, if you want a forty five percent deck that does like this specific thing, you can you can go ahead and play it. Uh, but again, I I don't know who this actually has an edge against these days. It just doesn't line up with anything else going on in the format. No, it's like four color and shadow. That's it. That's that's why they played it in the box. Yeah, there's just not like the density of those two decks is not present in this no, I know or, and, or any tournament. And I mean, they they said that too. Like, Will won the mocks and was like, "Yeah, don't play this deck," you know. Okay. Uh, but but then obviously the next day you see it, you know, five owing leagues and whatnot. And it's like okay, yep, yep. That's how those things go. Seventeenth uh, place, Kane with four color. Uh, Kane, Kane's put a lot of work into this deck. Like if if you want very good. Uh, updated deck list, you could do way worse than just copying his. Love that main deck, Emrakul. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I so that was a card that I think served him pretty well, but was also mainly there for mirrors. And it's like, well, this is a week where mirrors are trending down a little bit. Mm-hmm. I know they played the mirror twice, but yeah, it, it, that's just one of those things where it's like, I don't think it's time for this anymore because like you need to be concerned about beating everyone else first. Yeah, yeah, fields getting too wide. 18th place dredge. Okay. I, I don't have anything to add. The dredge player is going to dredge. They, they believe with all their hearts all the time and they are occasionally right. So here's uh, hoping for them. Living in burn. Another Tron deck could be, could be time for Renaissance. Uh, oh. Another amulet deck. Uh, weird four color deck. Some oath of Nisses. Risen reef. Uh, mm. Main deck Obsidian Sharma <laughs> for all the Tron decks, I guess. Well prepared. Uh, another Murktide deck. No DRC, one subtlety. Uh, four color Elemental Cascade Glimpse of Tomorrow deck. I think this is probably the best version of this deck, but I don't know. Like, this deck is sweet, but I would probably Rhinos instead, unless you're like, well, Cascade is good and four color is really big then maybe I would do this, but... Uh, okay. Okay. Again, a very specific call. Right. Uh, another burn deck. Yogmoth, Yogmoth, Burn, Tron, Rhinos, uh, Indomitable Creativity, Archon of Cruelty. So sort of the usual suspects throughout most of this tournament. we got a few weirdos popping up in the end. Uh, maybe not in the distribution I would have expected, but... I think a very representative tournament of the modern field and the type of things you should be thinking of when you're going to a modern tournament. There's there's a lot of ground to cover, a lot of viable decks. And, you know, we, we called out a few hard reads that were seemingly made in this tournament. And I, like we said last week when we were talking about our prep show, hard reads are tough in this field. And I, I don't think that's where you want to be. Yeah. We're noting that there is a lot more like Burn, Tron, and Yawgmoth rounding out the top 32 than I would have expected. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that those are decks that went seven and two. Those, those are decks that did very well. Eight and two. So eight and two. Thank you. So they're worth, they're worth tracking. They're worth paying attention to. I don't think any of these decks is removed from the metagame. I would, I would be aware of all of these factors. You can face anything when you sit down at a modern tournament. Pioneer PTQ time. Uh, this one I did not really pay attention to. I don't know how many people were in it. I assume it was massive. It was. It was. Uh, I, I think this one cracked 
400 as well. Maybe maybe just below 400. I saw the number at some point, but it, it was well attended. All these PTQs well attended. Yep. Uh, so first place, Stanku, Boros, uh, basically heroic, like 10th District Legionnaire effectively has heroic. And then there are some prowess yep. threats. Illuminator Virtuoso from Streets, also quite good. And then just a bunch of one-mana things that, like, target things, cantrip, or have flashback, or kill a thing. Dude, the one-mana things have gotten so much better. And I, I said this when Ancestral Anger was previewed. Like, this card was always destined to do something. This is this is a real card, and I think it kind of single-handedly... I won't say single-handedly, because I, I think Homestead Courage has a lot to do with it as well. But, but these two one-mana options that are just either hard cantrips or functioning as, as true two of the same one mana effects where you're able to get two heroic pumps out of it. It's a really big deal for these type of decks. And I, I think they are so consistent at this point and quite frankly, so powerful. They also get to play what I believe to be like the best removal spell in the format, which is reckless rage. Yep. And they do so with utter impunity. Basically they're, they're very happy firing off those reckless rages uh, on everything except their illuminator virtuosos. So really really solid base of a deck here and i love that they're so lean they've gotten away from nonsense like feather or yep. anything like trying to go big they just are consistent they achieve the same thing in every game and i i think this deck is quite good actually no messing around with like dreadhorde arcanist either nope it's nope. just like no actually i'll just i'll just kill you it's fine yeah, you don't you don't need to slow down for Dreadheart Arcanist. Like you'd rather have the huge threat of 10th District Legionnaire, Illuminator Virtuoso, and then you're going to get to the things you need via the fact that you have cantrips, you have recyclable options, you have even like scrying on God's Willing, all these things combined to just let you be very consistent in what you're trying to achieve. I did pretty well with Heroic back in the day. Same. I played a lot of like Feather, basically, in standard. And oh. I I no. quite liked it. Oh, you're talking pre that. You're just talking yeah. straight up heroic. Actual like Tom Ross heroic. Okay. I remember playing like blue white heroic at some point. I feel like maybe that was in the block format though. So I, I wasn't really like a huge mm -hmm. adapter of heroic. Well, the standard one got to play treasure cruise. Right. That's, that's not bad. So I was doing that and I must've played it in like five or six tournaments, you know, like seven round IQs and things like that in the Seattle area. Yeah, was like pretty consistently in top eight and everything and generally enjoyed that deck. And I, I started looking for the pieces to this deck. So obviously I'm, I'm missing a lot of stuff like the new stuff, but also mm -hmm. like this deck is just all commons except all for commons. the lands. Yeah, you, I actually think there is not a, a single. Oh, there's yeah, there's not a single rare outside the lands, right? Soulscar Mage technically, but it was mm. just in a, a pre-con. Yeah. So it dropped yeah, yeah. a lot. Yeah, so this is this is a very cheap deck, and that's something to track to when you head to these events, especially in formats that aren't like, you know, fully adapted yet. Which I would say is the case for Pioneer. If you can fire off an order and get this entire deck for under a hundred bucks, I mean, if you have these lands in particular, you're you're really free rolling here. That could lead to some increased representation for this deck, and I think it's quite good anyway. So, if I was heading to a PTQ this weekend, I would ha I would have a close eye on this archetype for sure. Yeah, uh, second place, uh, Nathan Stower? No, Steyer. I, so I thought it was Stewer, and then... They, I always read it as Stewer as well. They kept pronouncing it differently, and now the actual pronunciation escapes me. Someone, either Nathan or someone close to Nathan, please let us know the proper way to pronounce Nathan's last name. Deserves to have his name pronounced properly, been crushing it lately. 
I want to say Steyer, but that doesn't sound right. Maybe because I'm still thinking that it was the old one. But anyway, yes, uh, Nathan, very powerful magician playing Is It Phoenix and also like pretty good at making like the small tweaks and like tuning an archetype. And that is definitely prevalent here too, where I think most people just swapped in Shredders mm-hmm. for things and called it a day, but... Nathan all, just has two things in the ice in the main deck and a third in the sideboard, uh, which is honestly like a pretty good call right now, especially after Heroic wins the PTQ, right? Because yep. that's probably going to catch on a lot. And then, yeah, just a, a lot of diversity in the removal suite, like one Strangle, one Lava Coil, two Fiery Impulse, three Lava Axe, still doing four pieces of the puzzle, six Delve Spells with two iterations, so... Uh, I like this list a lot. This is definitely where I would start. I, I love the fact that we got to the place where pieces of the puzzle is just like part of the engine for Phoenix. I think it's so cool. I think it's such a cool card. Uh, and obviously it's saw niche play for a long time as like, you know, a, a storm thing that you could do. Seeing it as just like a, a good card now. It, it's really cool to see the card have that kind of resurgence. I think it is cool that people started playing it, but I also think the card sucks. Not like sucks in the deck. I think it is probably pretty good in the deck, but... Not a card that I want to be casting myself, you know? But these, like, for a deck like this, which is so sideways and doing things so differently, this is exactly the type of deck building I love, where you find a card that does, quote-unquote, suck, and you make it exactly what you need to enable an archetype. I I love that aspect, absolutely. But as far as me having this in my hand on the draw against an aggro deck or whatever, I'm just like, God. Whammy. Yep. Uh, Third place, Hodor Time Baby. Another Phoenix deck. This one, uh, so worth noting that Nathan's playing two Jardicors. The next one has four strategic planning, also four pieces, uh, three Shredder, two thing in the ice, but much more streamlined, like four Fiery Impulse, three Lightning Axe. Yeah, very very focused on that game plan of just uh, loading up the bin and and getting to these powerful Delve spells. Although only playing three copies of Treasure Cruise as opposed to Nathan's four. Yeah, that's, that's pretty normal, actually. I think I think Nathan is the outlier with six. Okay. Uh, sideboard, some Fable of the Mirror Breakers, kind of interesting way to dodge graveyard hate. Tablet of the Guild, I see showing up a little bit for the mono red decks, but worth noting that sort of anti aggro card pretty bad against heroic. Yes, it is for sure. Again, another bad card <laughs> that is showing up in a very specific purpose, uh, but sort of failing at it when the aggro decks have switched their tune and gone to this big body type approach that Heroic puts forth. Fourth place, Mazina Linda, Blue White Control, 80 cards, just entirely glorious. Yeah, here's the problem, is that, like, obviously, I want to play Blue White Control, you know, in my wheelhouse, very comfortable with it. I do not want to shuffle 80 cards. And I think that this version is quite a bit better than the 60-card version. I think you are sabotaging yourself if you choose not to use Urian, just too powerful of a card. And uh, I think I'm going to sabotage myself because I I just don't want to deal with it. Wait, question. Did you get this deck in all foil? Yes, but not... I didn't, like, go back and get it in foil, if that makes sense. So, like... Yeah, you got some cheaper versions. Yeah, and I got, got, like, uh, Wandering Emperors in foil and March of Otherworldly Light in foil and Memory Delusion foil and some of the stuff I already had in foil. 
just from from back in the day. But everything I I purchased, I did purchase in foil. All right, listen. 80 cards, non-foil, not double-sleeved, is probably the same thing as your 60-card amulet deck that is foil and double-sleeved. I I believe that, but I just have like too many foils in my collection where I can't not double sleeve because I, I I mean like it's it's so weird that I kind of want to at some point be disqualified from a tournament for having these foils in my deck because I think it raises a very good point that you should not be able to sell these cards if you can't play with them it's it's actually bullshit like you have to sell playable cards and the fact that there is this curling problem means that I think in some ways they're they're not living up to that end of the bargain. At the same time, when like it ultimately happens to me, which I, I'm assuming it will at some point, people in some number are going to say, "Oh, look, Brian's cheating. Always knew he was a cheater. Must be a scumbag." Like it's just going to happen, and I'm I'm prepared for that, and at the same time not prepared for it. So I won't commit to being like, "Oh, I'm just going to play my foils, take my punishment, and like make a stand against Wizards." selling us Pringles, which they absolutely should not be doing, and like still wanting to not be yelled at by random strangers on the internet who are going to call me a cheater. I don't know. I think it would be different if Wizards themselves were a printing company. But they... uh, Okay. They they make a purposeful decision to sell foils at a premium. Like, I understand if they were just slotted into decks and then you your criticism stands, but when you're like... I will charge you more for this thing, and also it might get you disqualified from a tournament. All right, listen. Do you think that they want your foils to curl? No, of course not. Okay. Of course not. So then why haven't they fixed it? Well- Because they can't. It can't be fixed. What what they would- So they it's like, oh, find a new printer. It's like y'all, y'all realize that they have- tried a bunch of different Yeah, it can't be over. fixed. I, I'm sure it can't be fixed. So I'm, I'm positive that. So then it's like, well- design a different foiling look or whatever to make it so the process doesn't curl the card. And it's like, I, I don't know that they have the knowledge to be able to do that. Because they're not they're not the ones like making the printers and making the ingredients or whatever and like doing the process. And like, I yeah, I wish that, you know, you could just make a game where the foils and non-foils, like the foils looked cool, but had the same like cardstock and thickness or whatever as a non-foil. That would be awesome. Yep. What they actually need to do is enforce the rules, uh, quote unquote, against foils based on intent. If, if there are cards in my deck that are like, if I tried really hard, I could cut to them, then if I'm not cutting to them, it doesn't matter. That's the way I, I take it. Like Unless I'm using them to an advantage you can't enforce that. And I realize that's a big problem because as soon as you well, introduce that type of weakness, people will look to exploit it. So Yuya. Yeah. Yuya's cards are marked. Your your foils are marked. Is Yuya cutting to his Tron lands? Well, probably not because it's a pro tour and his opponents are always shuffling. So what it is doing is like giving him an edge of like knowing what his, you know, top whatever card is. It's bad. It's it, there's there's no good solution to it, and frankly, like I I think the double sleeving thing is also 
sort of an impermanent solution. Like I, I think there's probably a chance even double sleeving at some point, some card will just have too much warp to it and you won't be able to like press it down. Like I, when I tell you, I lay out all the cards I'm playing before an event for a week and find the heaviest books in my house and just press them down. Yeah. I'm not exaggerating. I do that every single time because I, I'm not trying to gain an advantage. It's just a large portion of my cards are foils and this is going to happen every single time. And it's it's such a strange, strange problem to have to deal with, and there's no good answer to it. That's that's the whole thing. You you can't print versions that don't do it. No you man, just can't stop, not enforce it. Stop so. buying foils. Like I realize it's silly, but like you're also opting into it. But there's like a break point where now half of the things I own are foils, so I'm actually incentivized to get more foils so I could have not the mismatched cards in my deck. I understand. I went through this on Magic Online where. Mana leak only existed in white border until Neil Reeves was like, just get foil ones, idiot. And so then I did. And then I had only foil mana leaks in my deck and it looked weird. Right. Yeah. So then I had to get all the foil stuff and then I, you know, played a different blue black deck and half my cards were foils. So I had to get the other. Yeah, I get it. Uh, what I eventually did was I just cut myself off. I was like, I'm going to sell all the stuff that I can. And then I will just have non foil stuff, but then it won't be shiny anymore. Yeah, man. Like, okay, so you're. I love the shine. You're I'm like, I, I like shiny stuff, but yeah. also they're not playable. Well, in my yeah. mind, they don't exist. They they do not <laughs> exist as a viable. But you've been buying foils lately. Like, I I converted you to this way of thinking. I've seen your piles of foils. I have random foil stuff that I was doing for like Canadian Highlander or whatever, where it's like, yeah, if, if I'm cheating or my opponent's cheating, like, who cares? We're not playing for anything. So all of your quote unquote real cards are still non-foil? Yeah. Any card, any deck I play in a tournament is gonna be all non-foil. It's not close. You're a better man than I am. You've you've resisted the allure of the shiny things and I, I, I have a I stack of you, like but. foil omnaths that I bought as a spec. I could use some of those, so so keep them around. Uh, I mean, I, I got them. Good. The the online ones went way up. The real life ones have not really moved. So good news for me. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna check right now. You know what foil was really expensive? Well, actually, all of the Kamigawa lands, Baseju, yeah, they they were they were a big hit. Yeah, I mean, regular Baseju is like forty or something. Okay, so the problem is is I didn't like this uh, showcase Omnath, but people just always get the showcase one, man. Yeah, yeah, you, that's the one you have to you have to buy uh, if you're specking. Yeah, so I I bought regular foils for like five, five or six, and now wow. and now they're that's, twelve. Yeah, they're that's, twelve. That's, they're only twelve dollars. I would expect them to be much more. That's that's surprising. Foil on math, twelve dollars. So anyway, made some money, but they haven't they haven't gone to the moon or anything. Uh, mm. But that's fine. You can get them off me pretty cheap. Good, I will do that. Uh, fifth place. Name I cannot pronounce. Uh, Rakdos mid, a lot of graveyard trespassers. Snookerusmkmwak. Snookerusmkmwak. It looks like Polish, but doesn't look like Polish. You know what I mean? No, that's, that's, that's not Polish. I see a C next to a Z. It looks Polish. Yeah, a lot of Dreadbores, a lot of graveyard trespassers. You know what time it is. Uh, Bone Crusher Giant in the instant still. I don't get it. I felt like in the same vein as Blue Eye Control. It was non-zero that you would acquire the cards for this deck and be like, you know, today I'm going to kick it old school. This this deck has that vibe, and I respect it for that. I do not think it's good, 
I also like when I play a blue white deck that I don't think is all that good. I have like some edge and I've, I've done it a bunch and I'm very comfortable and like, sure. I've done this a bunch, but I think my edge is much, much less as like mid range player than it is as control player. So it's harder for me to talk myself into this type of thing. I have to like have some modicum of belief in my soul that this could actually be good. I do not, believe that about this deck it's just a bunch of like threes and fours that are okay cards and kind of like line up decently with the format and all held together by thoughtsies and i'm not talking myself into it thing that points toward you should not play green devotion is the invoke despairs in the sideboard what about the life bane zombies oh (laughs) yeah those two old school kicking it old school uh, yeah, that was, like I said, things got pretty hostile for Green Devotion very quickly, I think. Uh, sixth place, Wastacore, Band Spirits, Company, 32 things with flying, presumably. Uh, nope, Skyclave Apparition. Yeah, I kind of thought like this deck was going to be supplanted by like the mono blue versions or the little bit more streamlined versions, and I haven't been seeing much of the Band version lately. I, I prefer the mono blue list, I think. I like the engine of Curious Obsession a little bit more. So I don't know. If you were like good at Collected Company, maybe you could talk yourself into this, but I don't have to worry about that. It's also weird to play like Tribal Collected Company in a field full of just one mana removal, just like copious, Mm -hmm. copious amounts of removal. Because it's like, when is your Supreme Phantom or whatever ever going to accomplish anything, you know? That is a fair question. Uh, And it's not even like we have an old school setup where we could like... uh, you know, set up the double, the double hexproof lock and lock out our opponent's stuff. So yeah, I, I don't know this this deck not super appealing to me right now. Seventh place, dark twenty four, Boros heroic, uh, three dreadhorde arcanist over a tenth district legionnaire and two of the soulscar mages, and then a uh, spikefield hazard instead of a mountain. Yeah. You know I'm a Dreadhorde Arcanist fan, but I'm I'm off it in this deck. I I really ah. like the streamlined approach. I love like turning on your reckless rages more reliably. So I, yeah, actually going to pry these Dreadhorde Arcanists out of my hands at this point and and talk me into a more linear version like the version in first place. I do kind of like this sideboard better. Portable Hole, Showdown of the Scalds, like those are magic cards. Uh, Scalds is going to let you play some long games for sure, and kind of pays both sides of your game plan. So that's a card I could see getting behind. Eighth place, Elvan, one, two, three, four, Phoenix, one Crackling Drake to go with their four Ledger Shredders and four Arclight Phoenixes, five Delve spells, another eight one mana removal spells, three Impulse, three Axe, two Strangle. Yeah, no real takeaway from this list as far as I'm concerned. I am curious if like Graveyards become more hated if we do see a shift back to Crackling Drake, but four, four mana is a lot in this format. So I, I think like if I was playing Crackling Drake, one would be about my limit. Uh, it's weird to play one main and then not have like another copy in the sideboard, you know? Sometimes though, like it, it is a very effective card at just like being your out. Like I can just play towards this thing. Eventually I will get there and that is how I will win this game. Yeah, but then I'll want two of them. Okay, fair enough. Uh, ninth place, Jun Food. Uh, Cauldron Familiar can still block IRL. Nice. Just Big upgrade for Cauldron Familiar. Uh, Keep that ten, in mind while you're playing. Tenth place, another Boros deck. This one also with the Dreadhordes. 
Eleventh uh, place is it, but the weird big one with Narset and Dason doing for when Phoenix was kind of getting clowned by Graveyard Hate. Mm-hmm. Uh, anticipate instead of expressive iteration. Uh, that's that's quite a downgrade. Uh, that feels bad. Twelfth place, mono white humans ish. Yeah, yeah, you're you're a humans dude. What do you think of this one? Uh, I would have more colors probably. Okay. I just, the one drops are so bad, right? You're, you're just like, oh yeah, Dauntless Bodyguard. Let's Not a Kytheon fan? Come on, that's it becomes a Gideon for one mana. I mean, it's fine. It's not good. No, they, no it's, it's not. That's the no. kind of card you play as like your 13th one drop when you've decided that 12 is not enough. I can definitely count on one hand the number of times I've flipped a Kytheon. And uh, then even... Once I have the Gideon, it tends to be underwhelming. So, thirteenth hmm. uh, place, Mono Blue Spirits for Geist Light Snare, two Lofty Denial for Counter Spells, three Slip Out the Back for Protection, four Curious Obsession, twenty four Flying Creatures. Yeah, I still this quite is, like this deck. I, yeah, this I think is it's a very fine choice. Yeah, fourteenth uh, Blue White, sixty cards. Now we're talking my language. Okay, fifteenth place, Mono Green. Yeah. I mean, this this is the list, right, for the most part. And they, they've gotten some cool stuff going on in the sideboard. I love, like, the Pestilent Cauldron that you, you get to use your card for. There's a Chain Veil now, so all these things are, are very interesting. Yeah, I like we said, when the Lifebane Zombies come out, it's going to be a tough time to play this deck. I think it probably will have another moment. It was having its moment a couple weeks ago. I think that moment will come back around, but it does seem like it got enough attention in this particular event. 16th place, Rakdos Sacrifice. This deck is not bad. I don't. I guess I don't necessarily like this version specifically, but I think Rakdos Sacrifice in general is probably not bad. Okay. Uh, yeah, this is this is interesting, especially with the rise of heroic. I could see a version that actually like returns to priest and is is leveraging that yeah. as a sacrifice engine. That would be more in line with what would draw me back to this archetype than any of the stuff I see here. Yeah, I'm not trying to play, like, Croxa, you know? Yep. Uh, like this list is, but taking game actions and being able to play a bunch of very efficient removal and card drawing is... And blocking with my cauldron familiars, all things I like doing, so... Hell yeah, I mean, Ancestral Anger on all my creatures, but, you know, whatever. Mm. Good effort. Loriwa, Abzan, Greasefang. I kind of forgot that that was a thing that... People thought you could do in this format. Yeah, it did not show up in this uh, first week of PTQs, and I think this was probably a lot higher on most people's power rankings and at least some version of the Grease Fang decks, and maybe not this Abzan version, but it, the deck was mostly absent. So we'll have to see if that makes some headway over the coming weeks or if it was just kind of a flash in the pan. It's good in Explorer. I, I think it's way worse in Pioneer when there's things like Fire Impulse and Lightning Axe and just... You know, so much cheap interaction to deal with this thing. Yeah, way better removal spells for sure. And, and the decks are just faster too. It's like you could Parhelion the heroic deck or mono red or whatever, and they still just kill you anyway. They don't care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, 18th place. Ooh, more dread boars. Only two mm-hmm. graveyard trespassers, though. They cut two of them for two glory bringers. Uh, well, I appreciate half of the move here. I mean, maybe glory bringers fine. I don't know. I don't have any. Glorybringer experience. I have a hard time believing Glorybringer is fine, but I 
am happy to have fewer graveyard trespassers in my deck. I'll say that. 19th place, uh, blue-white artifact aggro and soul stuff. Forgot this was a deck. Yeah, this deck should be better. I'm kind of surprised we don't see more of the Insole stuff going around. I think you kind of just get like chump blocked in a lot of instances. Maybe the removal too, like the removal just being so much better is what's really holding them back. Well, I mean, in theory, you're supposed to like put Insole on a indestructible thing or whatever, and you have Patchwork Automaton now, which uh, is is pretty good at shrugging off the one mana removal. So yeah, there's stuff like March though that's like floating around. That's way more uh, versatile than removal spell used to be. Although you know, yes. it's not a super widely played card in this format. Yeah, it's definitely true. But uh, blue eye control is pretty bad. So blasphemy. <laughs> uh, another mono green deck in twentieth. Twenty first is some more Rakdos sack. Uh, this one with no Croxes, so I like to look at this one a little bit better, but maybe a little bit lighter on interaction than I would like. There's just like a lot of fables and Call of the Death Dwellers and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. only get, like get, get Priest in the mix, and then I'll start I'll start considering it, but until then, I, I don't have a reason to play this deck. Dude, pr- priest on Lucky Witness? Like, I am, Sick. Dude, I am in. Yeah. Go. Didn't have anything to do with my mana, but look. 22nd, Mono Blue, 23rd, Rakdos, Sack, with Implement of Combustion to go with their Oni Cult Anvil. All right. Okay. Okay. We're really doing it now. No, no Cat Oven, though. Come on. Uh, we got Implement of Combustion. What do we need Cat Oven for? <laughs> Jeez. Uh, 24th place is New Prowess deck with Young Pyromancer and Of One Mind. So still get to play Reckless Rage, get to play like Cruise and Ledger Shredder. Uh, mm-hmm. This is like another way to go when Phoenix's graveyard is kind of under attack, but I don't know. Now now I think a lot of the cards that you're playing are just a little too mopey. I, I really want this to be good. I am, I am skeptical. I think you have a lot of A plus B here, and the times where your A plus B doesn't pay off, are going to be very painful. And when it does pay off, you are left with like a version of a deck that is probably worse than the existing is it stuff. So not really pulled to this one, although I, I hope I can be proven wrong because I would love to play this deck. No basic land. So greedy. It is a little greedy. Really had to get that Sakenton in there. 25th, Rakdos. Cut to ribbons. Let's go. 26th, Rakdos. Love that card. Back. 27th, Niv-Mizzet Reborn. The most uh, the most copies of any individual land in the deck is two. Perfect mana base. A lot of twos and ones. Uh, another Phoenix deck. Shredder Phoenix, nothing else for creatures. Our first Lotus Field deck. Why do, Why is this deck so bad? Like, I, I just don't get it. I really don't. Like, I feel like this deck should be winning more than it does. Yeah, I think that people are pretty like a lot of matchups are naturally pretty bad against it and then also people are like skimping on sideboard hate for it but i think as the format speeds up this deck gets a little bit worse and is also kind of inconsistent you know like it if you have field on time and like a thespian stage on time and the untapped stuff into like the card drawing and whatever like obviously you're golden but all of that stuff has to go well for you 
So yeah, I don't know. I, got, I mean, I, got, I, I am. I got an arboreal grazer. Arboreal grazer will just hold the fort forever. I'll hard cast that fave wishes, get a little one four going. I got all the time I need, baby. I am. I am terrified of this deck. Absolutely. But I also think that a lot of things that I would gravitate towards would inherently have yeah, a pretty bad against it. Yep. Yep. That makes sense. So one of the upsides to being like, oh, maybe this heroic deck is not that bad. You know, it's like, well, I probably just get to climb this deck. So it makes me happy. I don't know. I think my grazer is going to be up to the task, doing a lot of blocking. <laughs> no, ancestral anchor. Sorry. Whammy. Yet again. All right. Uh, Card's good. Really Phoenix. good. Phoenix, uh, and then 31st place, Band Company, the weird stuff. Archon of Mary is very good. Band cards. Band cards. Yeah. Reflector Mage, Love Struck Beast. Uh, no thanks. Uh, 32nd place, Heroic. Cool. Finish things yeah. off the way that we started them. Yeah. Also with no Arcanist. So, you know, in line with that setup, that ultimately took down the tournament, which I really like. Are you sure there are over 400 people in this? No. No, all I'm the, not. All the people that made top eight had eight wins. Okay. So they would have had to... No, there's there's one with nine. Well, yeah. But I mean, everyone so with nine, eight wins... Nine rounds. What's the nine round breakpoint? Everyone with eight wins made it. So yeah, it kind of looks to me like a, a big nine rounder. I mean, whatever. Like either way, it's plus. really big. Yeah, maybe this was more in the range of like 300 people. Which, you know, for what is essentially a pre-TQ, it, it's it's not actually a hard PTQ the way these events used to be. Still a very good number. Although, you know, I waffle back and forth in Magic Online numbers because I'm like, oh, 300 people showed up. That's really good. That's also in the entire world. And when you think <laughs> about like only 300 people out of the, the billions in the world decided to play this event, it seems kind of small. But I don't know. I, yeah, I but time zones plus. and... Needing to like buy a deck and yeah, I mean, look, I didn't play it, so I, I get it. I understand where they're coming from. Yeah, I also saw ask. a lot of posts after the event that are like, "I'm never playing another you know ten round Magic event again or whatever." Which, Man, which I, I used, I I used get. to play. I finished second in a like twelve hundred person Magic Online PTQ. So I, I have I've been through it. I've lived it, and and I get it. I understand where these people are coming from. And it's somewhere along the line, I was like, "I'm never doing this again." So. Yep. Respect. I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, you want you want to do eight rounds, cut to day two. Cool. All I can do that, you know. But uh, ten rounds plus cut to top eight, like you lose in the finals, you get four hundred bucks or whatever. It's like eh, <laughs> yeah, no, no did not cut it. Did not. I'm good. All right. Moral of the story is red cards are tight. I think that's fair. I think uh, the the bigger moral of the story for me is that you have a lot of options in both these formats, and I don't think. Either of these metagames are solved. I think there's a lot of ways to play these games. And I think we're set up for a pretty fun round of PTQs. And I'm excited that the format is a little bit more focused. Like, it's not just like, oh, it's Pioneer season or it's Modern season. But being able to just focus on these two types of tournaments is really cool. It has some of that old PTQ vibe, and I'm appreciating it. So, so far... You also have to focus on Baldur's Gate, Alchemy Horizons, Sealed. uh, you, You don't. You don't. Just don't. I'm telling you, like, even if like this was the way you were finally going to make the Pro Tour, your life is just better if you just skip this. <laughs> also, there's always going to be an asterisk next to it, too. It's like qualifying for the PT via cube or whatever. People are mm. always like, eh, like, does that really count? And, yeah, you know, the answer is yes, because you're winning like a 400 person cube tournament or whatever. But 
Right. Still very tough. But yeah, I, I just think like, it's not only in the short term, in the long term, the more we as a group just point out how stupid alchemy is, the better off we'll all be. Because like maybe then it can go away and we can we can get back to PTQs in reasonable formats. Yeah, I don't know what is a better plan if it is to bring up the things that make it look silly or just not talk about it. Because on one hand, there's certainly merit to just letting it fade from everyone's memory versus like yep. continually bringing yep. it up like it is a thing that matters. But on the other hand, it's like, you know, look how continually bad this thing is. That also has merit. I'm going to do what makes me happy. And uh, when it comes to cards with scroll bars, it's going to make me happy to talk shit about them. I, I'm sure of that. So. It's low hanging fruit, though. I bet it is. So I don't know. I'm kind of in the camp of we should just never talk about it again. We'll see. We'll see how how much they raise our our cackles that's what it really comes down to is like how offended are we if they only do a little bit of offensive stuff then we'll just be like yeah whatever don't pay attention to them but when they really cross the line that's when how can get it back. get worse brian they also banned a card they banned they a card and they could just nerf stuff yeah I, I didn't mind that as much honestly I, I thought that was fine i thought their reasoning for that actually was pretty on point i mean it's it's still funny it is funny I will give you that. It, but Grinny Lingness is a stupid card and not one you can make an interesting card. So I'm fine with that. Yeah, but they haven't made interesting cards yet. Anyway, game. Game. Good luck.